can I clarify anything so far? Can I, <laughs> do you want to jump in? The only thing that, that, uh, that I have to jump in on, um, to begin with is it's probably worth pointing out at this point for the listener that, uh, when we're talking about specifically writing tutoring mm -hmm. and writing center work in a, in a university setting, uh, that is actually your, your professional background. Sure. Yes, I will absolutely own that. Um, it is something that, um, I'm seeking education in, I've done it myself and now I facilitate such a center. Um, yeah. 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 Cause this is, I, I want to be clear that we're not, we didn't pick this as a rant cause it probably sounds like a super random. Oh, sure, 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 sure. <laughs> For mm -hmm. someone who's not familiar with your background, you know, uh, writing tutoring in a college setting, you know, in a writing center. Um, but yeah, this is, yes. this is what you do. <laughs> you run a writing center among other things. Yes. That, that is good because I'm still imagining it's just mom and dad listening. So <laughs> they know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm making assumptions with our audience. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm not actually even assuming that mom and dad are still listening. I I kind of figured they petered out around halfway through Groundhog Day. You we're a Bill Murray household, though. I think that's fair to say. You are listening to Priority, a podcast about choices, limitations, and getting stuff done. Priority is hosted by Katie Leibman and her brother Max Leibman. That's me. This is episode number three, entitled "Screwing Up Is Part of the Program." For complete show notes, including links to anything we discuss on today's episode. Visit us online at priority.fm slash three. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I don't really, um, I don't even know where to start, <laughs> um, or where to end. Like, I, I don't even have, I have nothing but maybe a middle. I don't know. Uh, I, the whole, the topic is, um, <laughs> One of the things that we'll link to in show notes, of course, is is uh, Tom Peters' Reimagine, um, which is a business book, but there's a chapter on education, and it's it's kind of all over the map. But his his core argument is that like you know education is broken. Um, the one thing that I I think I'll start with is sort of like a is a sort of a baseline um, though I guess sort of springboarding off what I've just said. Uh, one, one thing I will throw out there as, as, you know, my core belief Ooh. on learning and education, um, which again, Tom, Tom Peters mentions in that, uh, and that is whatever your core truth is about the way to teach any, and I want to emphasize the, the any here because there's probably, there are almost certainly exceptions. Like, you know, I would agree with anyone who suggests that a doctor, a medical doctor should go to medical school and be trained by doctors, but, um, with few exceptions like that, I'm going to say any, uh, for any curriculum to get to any level of skill or knowledge to say that there is only one way that will work, um, to even say that there's a best way that will also be the, not only the best way for the most people, but is the best mm -hmm. way for literally everyone, I think is mm. dangerous and wrong. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think learning is extraordinarily personal. Uh, I think the ways that we learn are extraordinarily diverse. Um, and if anything, I would say, I would say like, you know, my, my fundamental philosophy of learning and teaching is that if you believe you have a fundamental philosophy of learning and teaching, that is the one best way in all cases at all time, even for your mm -hmm. one narrow subject area, you mm -hmm. are already wrong and already doing tremendous damage because if you're that unspeakably mm -hmm. arrogant on mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. one question, you are mm -hmm. getting other things wrong as well. <laughs> which is not to say there aren't best practices, <laughs> which is not to say that there aren't, you know, there are certainly ways that will be good for mm -hmm. more people. And than others, in a, you know? 
in a in an objective way too. There are ways to mm-hmm. there are ways to measure. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. There are ways to measure. Yes, correct. I I think we could even go so far as I mean to say even in very subjective fields. Uh, if we were to have an argument about whether or not, you know, obviously, I, I, again, I concede <laughs> a doctor should go to medical mm-hmm. school and go through residency. I have no problem with that. Um, I think if we were to say that a uh, prospective novelist should have at least a master's degree in English, though, I would say that's utter crap and ridiculous and silly on his face. But I would concede there are definitely English programs that having a master's in would be great for a budding novelist, and it would be possible to study to a certain degree of objectivity, the the relative quality and success of novels by, you know, English masters versus people with English bachelors versus people with other degrees mm-hmm. versus people with no degrees and figure out who is succeeding and who, according to a panel of expert critics, you know, has the mm-hmm. best quality output. And, and you know, even, even something subjective like that is definitely mm-hmm. measurable um, in some, to, to some degree of, of you know, mm-hmm. at least comparative certainty. Yeah, something that strikes me, and I uh, don't have a particular position from which to dig into it too far, but what's interesting to me, of course, as a, a person with education and writing in her background, and and English degrees, mm-hmm. <laughs> a few of them. <laughs> Specifically. Of course. That's why I picked uh, that one instead of, but you know, the, sociology the comparison to medical training is really interesting to me. Because what you've already established is that what the institutions of education mean to different fields is different. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I and I'm I'm not going to argue with you whether or not I believe an English degree is necessary to certain achievements or certain proficiency. No, oh man. So now I'm kind of stuck on this. <laughs> no, now I'm kind of stuck on this because um, <laughs> I'm thinking about what makes certain fields different in the ways of training and education. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Well, and I, I think one thing that makes medicine different to like seize on that from mm-hmm. medicine versus English. Um, why do you need to go to school to be a doctor for sure for a long time? And why do you not need, mm-hmm. you literally don't need any post-secondary education to write a novel, even well, to write a good mm-hmm. novel. And I would say the primary thing is not, not a difference in the value of the education relative to the activity. Cause again, I, I would even, I would even believe someone who told me, yeah, we did a study and you know what? Having an English degree makes you a better novelist than not. I would totally buy that. I think the difference, though, is not not even in the fact in the value relative mm-hmm. to the to the achievement that's possible of the educational material. I think the the core difference is that the activity we're talking about. Um, and as you know, I am a professional historian, so I'm going to put on that hat for a moment. Uh, yes, it is absolutely true. A lot of the current licensing requirements in North America for the medical field, when they started over a century ago, were started by industry organizations forming in order to uh, limit mm-hmm. the number of people practicing and the number of ways they practiced in order to increase the marketability of, of quote-unquote legitimate medicine. Uh, but that said, it is absolutely true we are dealing with a field where people are going to die right. if you get it wrong. I mean, frankly, they're going to die if you get it right, but more of them will die more often needlessly Mm -hmm. if you get it wrong. And there is a good, so there's a good reason why you should have the professional education. Uh, very few people die Mm -hmm. when a novel gets it wrong. But when it's tough, and I, and of course, I am not arguing that (laughs) 
they <laughs> there should be a licensing board for no, novels. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, I'm not arguing that I would be comfortable uh, having an operation <laughs> performed by a doctor who had not gone through the other rigors as other doctors in this day and age. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not to say that the stakes of the humanities, for instance, if we're talking an entire field expanding from English studies, uh, does not also have mm-hmm. high stakes, although they they look and feel very different than <laughs> bleeding out on a mm-hmm. table. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> No, mm-hmm. I would I would agree with that. And I I think I think in one in one case speaking of the stakes of humanities, um one way that this this comparison is probably going to break down is all of the practice of medicine in theory is life and death, uh whereas not all of the practice of the humanities will be, but mm-hmm. certain parts of it are very important right. to the way society mm-hmm. is run. Uh and I I'm, you know, comparing medicine uh where any visit to the doctor could result in a bad prescription. <laughs> that could kill you, uh, to, to writing a novel specifically, which may have tremendous consequences, but usually won't. So there's, mm-hmm. there's already kind of a breakdown well, in my comparison. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not making an apples to apples. Like I'm not comparing the highest stakes version of what the humanities can and do do for society versus, you know, a, a comparable ma- swath of medicine. No, I know that you're not. Um, but what's interesting is you're, in your examples, you keep talking about novels and novelists, and that suggests um, the art of the humanities rather than... So when I think of the stakes, I'm thinking of things like uh, literacy studies about what mm-hmm. the very real economic stakes, individual economic stakes um, of a person's literacies are. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, that's a, that's a great yeah. example. Um, and, and when you said that, another one popped into my head that, that often will be life and death, uh, technical mm-hmm. writing. Oh, absolutely. You know, if you, if you write the manual for how to repair or fly the airplane wrong, people will die. Mm-hmm. Was it weird that I was picturing like lawnmowers and chainsaws? <laughs> uh, Airplane's I a good one though. Don't know. It depends on what right. you're picturing <laughs> happening with them. <laughs> um, it involves fewer limbs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, but but technical writing is an example where that will even oh, intersect absolutely. with medicine in many cases. You know, you need you need people who are well trained in the humanities to write, uh, you know, to write technically accurate and human mm-hmm. comprehensible, readable, clear, unambiguous text. Mm-hmm. You need a strong background in the humanities to do that, and that has the exact same life and death consequences if we're right. if we're talking about medical writing. You know, uh, mm-hmm. equipment or drugs or what have you. You know, we are then talking about the field of Boom, medicine. <laughs> roasted. High stakes. So, same stakes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. High stakes. High stakes. Yeah. Um, yeah. All of this. So I think, so here's the other, here's the other <laughs> baseline to this is that we are in agreement that education is important then. <laughs> and that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh no 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 yeah and again I was um yeah my whatever the the failings of my example oh no 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 um, not at all and my comparison my my core point is just that um my my only core point on education is to to think that we understand for all mm-hmm. people for all time you know that any one method of any one subject is the way mm-hmm. to do it uh it means we've already misunderstood tremendously. So here's a bridge to, to, I think, a lot of the other topics that you brought up uh, in our prep and things that Mm -hmm. I thought about in response to those is that I think underlying what you were just saying, and which I I agree with, um, that 
education ought to be an adaptable, versatile set of of strategies and knowledge and practice um, and reflection. Uh, but underlying that is the idea that it also ought to happen at a variety of sites and at a variety of levels. So even the idea of writing centers uh, are the, the idea that <laughs> centers even exist supports this idea because it is a space other than the classroom. So we are suggesting by existing mm-hmm. that learning about writing and writing itself can happen, not just in the classroom, not just in a dorm room, not just in the library, but in this other separate and distinct space in another separate distinct way. Right. Um, well, and I, I think the fact that uh, the writing center, unless I've <laughs> greatly misunderstood how the writing center works, the existence of the writing center also suggests something that, that definitely backs up what I just said in that, uh, every student will necessarily sooner or later pass through a class in which they have to write something for the class. Not every student necessarily, again, unless I'm misunderstanding, will also pass through the writing center. So its existence and the way its services are, are purveyed, I think suggests already that there are different people who need different things in order to learn how to do this one particular mm. skill. Mm-hmm. Or the many skills that comprise writing, mm-hmm. probably more accurately. You know, because some students are going to be, some students, again, unless I've misunderstood mm-hmm. and everyone goes through it, <laughs> everyone has assigned their time and they have to go. Uh, you know, the fact that you're there at all also suggests, as I said, mm-hmm. not everyone learns the same. Because if everyone did, everyone would go to the writing center. Mm-hmm. Or everyone wouldn't. <laughs> but instead, you probably have different people coming with different Correct. frequencies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And for different Absolutely. things. Absolutely. Um, and what they want once they walk in the door can be completely different. Uh, their particular goals mm-hmm. for whatever the thing is they're working on. Um, but what I'm thinking about is that, and I'm glad you you drew out that comparison, um, is that there's also a level of choice involved in, well, what Tom Peters brings up as engagement, something that we've talked about too. Um, and something, a concept I think about a lot mm-hmm. is that, um, in a lot of models, the writing center is a place that students can choose to go if they're seeking something, um, mm-hmm. to either supplement or, uh, sort of go beyond what they've been able to access elsewhere. Um, but I'm thinking about the ways that learning can be something that you seek completely on your own, separate from other entities, the way that you can um, (laughs) using the internet, instructional videos on YouTube. um, You can seek Mm -hmm. out the acquisition of new skills completely on your own and completely um, unrelated to whatever other commitments you have in your life. Do you know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. I do. I do. Um, And I I think that's that's something, too, that... uh... Again, going back to my core conviction that, that everyone does this a little differently. There are things that are always going to be better taught for most people by another person. There are things that are going to be easier to learn from an expert. It's going to be easier mm-hmm. to be shown in person and have live feedback. Um, there are topics that for most people are going to be that way. But for the vast majority of, of subjects and skills in the world, there are going to be some learners who, who are going to mm-hmm. do just fine on their own. Um, you know, and, and that's one thing I feel very fortunate that we live <laughs> in the era that we live in that, you know, we've never had more unprecedented, you know, 24 uh, seven access to all that stuff, you know, with 
not only text, but pictures and video and audio mm-hmm. and, um, and for some, some small number of people on some topics, some large number of people on others, that's always going to be mm-hmm. adequate or better. Um, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm glad that exists. And, uh, I'm also glad things like the writing center exist though, too. Cause even for me, I'm somebody who very much prefers often mm-hmm. to go off and do it on my own. Uh, but I know there are things in my life that, you know, I <laughs> banged my head on the wall for a long time until I spent like two seconds with somebody else who immediately <laughs> said, Oh no, no, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Do this. Mm-hmm. Right. And that, that idea right there is something that, um, I sent you a couple articles specifically from, um, writing center work that talks about that tension. Mm-hmm. Um, and it comes back to what you were saying earlier about, uh, if you suggest that one approach will work for all situations, there's, it's not that there's something wrong with that approach, but there's probably something wrong with your thinking that you imagine it will work for all things mm-hmm. and all people. Um, right. But that tension between um, the things that you are able to discover on your own. So say you max off alone working on a writing project, um, producing what you can, but then realizing um, you're unsure of a particular part or you don't know how a reader might respond to something that you've done um, and seeking out a reader. Mm-hmm. And then they they pose a question that changes the way you're thinking about the thing that you were worried about. Um, mm-hmm. You couldn't have known that without the reader, right? Um, no, mm-hmm. no. And there there are techniques mm-hmm. to approximate that. You know, certainly, certainly in in writing, you are more well versed in learning mm-hmm. writing than I am. Uh, but it is a topic I've spent mm-hmm. a lot of time with, and I know I know there are things you can do. Um, you know, you can certainly set work aside for a longer period mm-hmm. of time than you're comfortable with, yeah. and then come back to it with fresh eyes. There's things you can do, but it's never going to be the same as sure. actually showing it. To sure, somebody. a real contextualized piece of human feedback. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and in that vein, there are certain things that, <laughs> and this comes up. Uh, when we were talking earlier, there are things you can't know unless you know they exist. Um, so I'm thinking of mm-hmm. if a student is struggling in a new field, let's say a student has just started a biology class and they're trying to write a lab report. Well, if they've never written a lab report before and they don't have a model and their instructor has not provided any specific uh, formatting examples or formatting guidelines, um, to get the conventions right for that new genre of writing, that student is going to have to first know that there are resources available for that. And two, know that those resources are important. You know what I mean? They may, mm-hmm. they may yes. be aware of what content is supposed to go into a lab report, but if there are conventions that are common in that field, how would they know that they exist? Right. And it is, it is possible that that information will mm-hmm. have come to them, but it's sure, unlikely. Sure. And I'm just imagining, you know, let's say um, they are thrown into the task with, without that structure. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I think some of that probably comes from some, something else that I, I'm very big on, which is the notion of mm-hmm. practice, um, of, of doing something <laughs> versus being taught. Verb something. your education. Um, Verb your education. Exactly. And, and again, not to denigrate the value of, in particular, English, although I'm going to talk about writing, uh, as a subject that is taught and as mm-hmm. a skill set that is taught and as a set of best practices mm-hmm. that can be taught. Because I think all of that is true. 
Um, I also think it's true, though, uh, if you get to the PhD level and get a PhD in English and never write another word in your life, calling yourself <laughs> a writer is farcical. Um, mm -hmm. you know, it's, there's, there's certain things that you only are when you are doing it on some regular basis, um, and that you only ever really know how to do when you've done them. Um, mm. and, and writing in particular, I think one of the reasons I got to a, a place of proficiency where I could look at a couple of, of journal articles and say, okay, I can do this, you know, and then I typed up this, this research poster, um, is because I had spent a lot of time writing. Uh, I couldn't do the research writing without the educational setting and without somebody pointing mm -hmm. me in the right direction. But I also would not have as quickly apprehended the style and mimicked it if I hadn't mm -hmm. practiced on my own a lot. Um, mm -hmm. No, I think yeah. that idea of practice is really interesting and important. So I'm thinking about um, this <laughs> when I was doing the reading and, and things before. Um, you might have seen my note. But I was thinking about when we, when we go to practice or to develop a skill or seek a certain expertise, how do you know what to focus on? So specifically, I was thinking about StrengthsFinder and the idea that you focus on the things that you already show some strength in so that you are able to develop them and mm -hmm. make them better. Uh, rather than seeking the right. deficiencies and fixing them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thoughts? How do you know what to practice? Uh, <laughs> is, it, is practice different if you're focused on one or the other? Uh, I think it's a useful, I, th I still think it's a useful framework. I think it's a useful tool. And I think it's a useful and good idea to say, what are you good at already? Yeah. Can you do more of that? Yes. Um, I also, I also have kind of come around to an idea that I think relates pretty well in education and definitely relates to some of the stuff Tom Peters said about mm -hmm. passion and engagement. Uh, in that for something like practice, like I want to get better at this thing, I think it's always going to be more important to have something you are interested in for its own sake to work on rather than saying like, what are the skills that I can polish and where can I go to get those? Like, I, I, I think it's saying mm -hmm. I want to be a writer, I think is, is kind of a non-starter. Like saying I want to write a novel or several novels, or I want to be a journalist, or I want to do <laughs> all of these things. I want to write literally everything forever. Like any of that is fine. But if what you, if you know, I, <laughs> you know, what, mm -hmm. what do you mean by writer? You, do you need to be able to type faster? Should we get you Mavis Beacon teaches typing on your computer? Um, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. what, what do you mean by writer? Do you need a better notebook? Um, whereas I think if you are sitting down to write a novel and if you are doing the things you need to do, like writing every day, um, <laughs> thinking about your work, setting it aside, coming back to it, sharing it with mm -hmm. other people, getting feedback and, and, you know, even I will say pursuing mm -hmm. education on that subject, um, Again, my <laughs> make sure nobody misunderstood me earlier. I'm not saying an English degree is a bad <laughs> idea if you want to write a novel. Um, I I honestly don't know how valuable it is or isn't, but I would assume it helps um, in some in some way. Uh, but you know, if if you, I would say that in in the pursuit of writing that novel, if you are doing that and then doing all those other things as steps along the way to solve specific problems you are encountering, you're going to get further and learn it more deeply than you will. If you say, I'm just going to figure out what I want to major in and then major in that, and then maybe I'll be a writer. 
because that's mm-hmm. what I want to do ultimately. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, and I any sense? think it's similar to what we were talking about before with you will know what you are based on what you're already doing. Is that related? Because, and I, what's funny is my, my undergraduate advisor had a very similar story about, uh, I think he was still at his undergraduate institution and his mentor, one of his favorite professors, uh, asked him about his future plans. And he said, well, I want to be a writer. And mm-hmm. the professor said something back to him, um, something like, well, hang on, so-and-so, do you want to be a writer or do you want to write? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and sort of left it, a, <laughs> sort of a, a, a Yoda gesture, right, right. said that and then walked away, that mm-hmm. sort of thing, um, to, yeah. let, to let my... <laughs> Mic drop. Right. <laughs> a little more subtle than that. Um, quill drop <laughs> in English, we say. Just kidding. No, we don't. <laughs> Not a thing. <laughs> Not a thing. But yeah, same sort of thing. It's 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 nice to um, aspire to the words that suggest identity, the identity markers. I mm-hmm. am a writer. I am a teacher. I am a whatever. But it is another mm-hmm. to be practicing the thing that you claim to be. So, right. okay, if you're a writer, it- what have you written? What are you writing? How does your writing mm-hmm. life look? Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I will even say, I think it's probably better to pursue the educational or the learning, you know, take it, take it even away from educational institutions, just to learning the bigger topic. Mm -hmm. I think it will be better to pursue those learning things in the course of actually working towards or on a project. Oh, absolutely. Um, But I'll even, I'll even say though, I think, I think an English degree, for instance, is going to be more valuable if you have some idea, like I want to be a novelist and here are the novels I want to write. I want to start up a website and cover this topic on the Mm -hmm. internet. And you know, Mm -hmm. uh, even if you're not doing it yet to have that in Mm -hmm. mind, you will you will ask and answer better questions within yourself for what you mm-hmm. need. Um, you know, you will make better use of the time and access you have to those to the professors and other resources. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have an, it's one thing actually that you know. Speaking of passion and projects, one of my uh, kind of regrets about several of the undergrad classes I've taken along the way is that uh, in a few cases I was really good about you know, okay, you need to have you know, you've got your big project for the semester. You're gonna do this research, you need this many sources, it needs to be a paper of this length and this style, mm-hmm. and, you know, here's the requirements, da-da-da-da-da. Um, I think a lot of students make a tremendous mistake, um, both both just in humanities classes, but also more broadly. Things like psychology and sociology is more where I'm thinking about these things. I think a lot of students, including me, frequently make a huge mistake in that they find a topic that they can handle, mm. and then they do a paper around it. Like, here's something we talked about this semester that I think I could stand to write about, mm-hmm. that I could probably find a couple of sources mm-hmm. about, and this will satisfy the requirement. Rather than saying, I am a baseball nut, so this paper is going to be about baseball, mm-hmm. and f*** you, I will find the psychology study about baseball. <laughs> you know? Oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, or, or in my case, like one of my all-time favorite papers I wrote was for a, a sophomore composition <laughs> class that I actually technically was not supposed to be in. Um, but anyways, uh, my one of my big papers in that class was on uh Rhonda Burns book and film The Secret hmm. and the Law of Attraction um which i think is garbage and kind of dangerous but and that's what and that's kind of what oh, okay, okay. About. <laughs> um you know 
but it was like it, you know, I had just come from a year and a half working at Franklin mm-hmm. Covey and and was deeply versed in in sort of self help from mm-hmm. all kinds of angles. Mm-hmm. You know, the more social science based stuff, the David Allen very practical, getting things done kind of stuff. Um, the sort of spiritual hand wavy new age stuff, which mm-hmm. is what, what the secret is. Um, you know, that would, that had been my, my professional world for a year before I went back to school. Um, and, and having a paper about that, you know, being able to take knowledge I already had and further mm-hmm. it, um, and develop themes that would, you know, I'd later put on my, on blogs. And, and you're talking about it on a podcast, right? Meow. And I'm talking about it on a podcast right now. You know, this is, I wish I would have done that more mm-hmm. often. And I think that is a huge wasted opportunity is people, you know, even, even at a small scale, like not like a, what I want to do with my life scale, but even on a small scale, not taking advantage of any time you get to choose a topic, even from a constrained list of mm-hmm. topics, not saying, oh, this, this I is the most interesting thing. This is the only thing I've cared about in this whole class. I'm going to do it on this and I'm going to relate it to this other thing I'm really interested in from outside this mm-hmm. class. And do that every mm-hmm. time, you know. Yes, yes, yes. I, yes. I, I think, I think every student in the world would have been would would be better mm-hmm. off, and all the ones out in the world working now would have been better off had they left college with a portfolio of work from every class, every discipline that reflected, you know, whatever it is they wanted their life to be about, or at least that reflected something they were really interested. Yes, in. Max, all the things. <laughs> Um, I have. I am super ranty, and I have way more no, to say about this no, than no, I thought no. I would. Hang on, there are two very important threads in everything you just said, and I'm going to okay. reflect them back to you. Um, okay. Let me jot a note because I will. I will equally rant as you say. But this is a I very. I don't think I even addressed the strengths finder thing yet. No, no, no. But you've you've <laughs> made it. You no, no. You brought it to the right level. You did. Okay, because, good, good. <laughs> uh, especially in that last segment, um, where you were talking about connecting to previous knowledge, expertise, and passion, that's where mm-hmm. I think the strengths finder type approach, not that it's the end all be all, but that type of approach is what makes education relevant on an individual personalized level, which is something that Tom Peters brings up too. Um, but something, you know, not having been familiar with this work before, it comes up in lots mm-hmm. of places, and it's a topic I've been thinking sure. about a lot um, before today. Um, so the first, so two threads. So the first is um, when you first started telling that anecdote about the paper, you were you seemed to be talking about um, educational opportunities like paper assignments um, mm-hmm. as opportunities to. Um, to take risk at whatever level you feel most comfortable. So you were talking about taking on topics that you already feel comfortable with, sort of setting a mm-hmm. low bar for your goal with that assignment. Um, mm-hmm. Well, and in, in, in that case, I meant more like uh, a topic, like a student looks over like the 20 things listed as examples that their paper can be about at the end of their psych, you know, survey mm-hmm. course. Uh, and just picking out, like, whatever they feel like they can handle. Yes, but that language yeah. to me suggests something that I think comes up in education all the time. The idea that um, in a lot of situations, failure is framed as a completely negative part of the process. Um, mm, that it mm-hmm. is a sort of ending point. Whereas, and this is, you know, this comes back to writing, but other subjects too, Um I actually own a pair of socks that says something like messing up is part of the program. (laughs) 
I need to post those in show notes. I got them from a very nice um, community art yeah. center in Florida. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure. Early, yeah, send, oh, no, no. send me a picture. Yeah, of those. I think it's yeah. screwing up as part of the program. Um, but you know, we think of writing. We talk a lot about writing as a process. That it is recursive. It is iterative. Uh, you must go through many trials and many attempts. Um, to figure out what the product is even supposed to be or what you even want it to be. So along the way, you could have a lot of um, sort of false starts. Um, false starts? Mm. Is that a football thing? Ooh. Mm. That was weird. <laughs> Ooh. That was really weird. Welcome back to Sports Talk with Max and Katie. Uh, That's all we got, so we should probably just wrap it up. False start is mm. a thing. The end. Um, <laughs> I'll put a Wikipedia link in show notes. Um, I think that's what I mean. I think it still works. Um, like yeah. You, you, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So in writing, especially, it's easy to realize quickly that missteps are common enough. You you must try before you figure out what you want. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So I really appreciate that. That was sort of underneath what you were saying. Um, the idea that risk and the possibility of failure are, should not be such scary things if the goal is learning. Right. Mm -hmm. So that, that's the first thread. That's the first thing, um, which okay. I, Threat. yeah, <laughs> check. Risk, risk is necessary. Yeah. And that, uh, failure should be a still safe and comfortable experience. It doesn't have to be, um, you know, if education is sort of a training ground for whatever, and I don't mean training in a purely business way. Um, Obviously, I'm in the humanities. <laughs> we f we fight this all the time. Um, that rhetoric. Um, but yeah, if it is a training ground, um, other language that comes to my mind is play playground. Like this is where this is where we yeah. um, we goof around a little bit so that we don't take ourselves too seriously, so that we can figure out what possibilities are are present. Because if we frame it as play, then again, failure is not the scary be-all end-all failure is an option correct i like that i like that uh and i even failure is uh that's this is another thread in that the tom peters book and reimagine um i don't know about in that chapter although he does mention risk taking mm -hmm. in the school's chapter mm -hmm. uh but he talks a lot in that book about the necessity of failure and destruction in order to create and innovate and succeed yeah absolutely uh writing you know, going, we keep bringing that up, I, maybe because it's your <laughs> professional background, I don't know, but um, yeah, it, it might just be a perfect model for all these things we're talking about. Uh, in writing in particular, failing and, and you know, screwing up and destroying things and taking risks is, in my mind, how you move forward mm -hmm. as a writer. As a writer working out a particular project or just as a writer, like, getting mm -hmm. better. Um, and in fact, within a given piece, even if I don't learn very much in the course of doing something, the way I get the piece to where I want it to be is I screw it up and I destroy mm -hmm. it and start over mm -hmm. and screw it up again. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, you know, it, it, that, that's just, that's the process. Yeah. Failure, failure is the process. Mm -hmm. Well, and process is such an important word to not, to remember that learning does not happen in a series of rigid linear events. Mm -hmm. It can happen sort of by surprise. Right. It can happen out of order. <laughs> it can happen it after many. best by surprise. Yeah, often. Um, that's the sort of I, delightful, I, joyful sense of learning. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and again, to go back to my like, uh, and, and 
I want to be clear. I'm not saying that no one in the world is an expert on this and that no one knows more about learning than me because many people do. <laughs> Possibly most people do. I don't know. Uh, but um, I to go back to the idea that that you know nobody nobody has the answer for everybody for any given mm-hmm. subject. Um, I would also say nobody can plan learning for themselves or for anyone else Ooh, in a linear way yeah. and get the most out of it. You, if you could plan it, like, like you as the learner, if you could plan it, you wouldn't need to learn it. Um, huh. That's a funny idea. If you, if you knew where, well, think about it though. If you knew where the epiphanies were going to be, you wouldn't need the epiphanies. You mm-hmm. know, if you, if you knew everything you needed to know, uh, then what you need is an encyclopedia, not an education. You know, you, you've already got it. You know what you need. You just, you just, you know, Mm -hmm. you, you, at that point, all you're missing is, you know, like you, you basically have your PhD. You just need access to the library so you can go look stuff up when you need Mm -hmm. it. Education is the process of being surprised in a lot of ways, Mm. I think. I mean, learning, 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 maybe not education. Education is something, you know, bigger and broader Mm -hmm. than that. Um, that has to cover a lot of things that won't be a surprise to anybody. Uh, but let's say that, why, yeah, no, I think the accidental substitution is fair. Yeah, learning, learning though, learning though, I think is, as I'm thinking about it, I, I mean, it's, you know, it can't be completely planned. Mm-hmm. Um, your students will surprise you as a teacher. Mm-hmm. Your teachers will surprise you as a student. And if you're not surprised by anything, you haven't learned mm-hmm. anything. No, you're absolutely right. And what's, what's funny is the only, uh, it's not really pushback, but maybe addendum I would contribute is, because I'm thinking. Yeah, I feel free to push back to you are actually the <laughs> professional in no, this no, context. No, no, <laughs> but, but what's funny is um, I think, so before we started uh, talking today, it seemed like you had some hesitation about our respective roles in this conversation. Uh, but what's so funny is the the things you are bringing to this conversation and this is, you know, true for a variety of reasons. We're siblings. We get along. We have similar <laughs> backgrounds and values in a lot of ways. <laughs> the things you're... We're two white kids solving all the problems of America. We solved racism? Um, <laughs> yes. Yes. We... <laughs> no, never mind. I'm done. Um, but the the things you, you are offering, um, I can corroborate with the experiences I've had. <clears throat> um, so you were talking about not being able to plan. And I was in the first thing that came to mind is that the way I work just as a human, I like to document as much as I can of any given process. So I do have a mm-hmm. lesson plans document where I map out my semester class period by class period. Um, mm-hmm. But that document is completely unique every semester, which sounds very labor intensive. Mm-hmm. Um, I do not scrap the entire thing. But as you're saying, every time I try an activity with a new group of humans, I learn something <clears throat> new about them in particular right. and how that activity can work more generally. Um, mm-hmm. So that reshapes how I think of my process, what I have to offer them in the agenda of a single class period. Um, right. so it's absolutely a combination of the things you're saying. Of course I would never, if, if an activity was absolutely falling flat, but I had lots of time left at my disposal in the class period, of course I'm going to try to think on my feet and respond to what is happening in the room. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not going to rigidly follow something that I thought might work when I discover right. that there was an obstacle or, um, something that I hadn't imagined going on. 
Um, so I'm completely with you. Um, okay. So let me, let me jump back to your, your paper anecdote about, <laughs> no, sure. no, no. Cause this is, <laughs> I mean, this is totally in my wheelhouse. This is me on my soapbox. Um, but what you were talking about was taking an educational opportunity. So you are assigned a paper. You, your, the expectation is you shall choose a topic and write a paper. Um, mm-hmm. but the process you're talking about of taking something from an instructor's curriculum and connecting it to your own previous experience and expertise and interest. It was something you are already interested in. Um, you chose to make that a transformative experience for yourself. You took it as an opportunity and not as an obligation or a hurdle or a stepping stone. Mm -hmm. You took it as something that could be important in and of itself. Um, To me, that's how education becomes individualized and relevant is when students have the room to make connections outside the classroom. Hmm. If there is no way to make that connection, either through writing, through class discussion, through communication between the instructor and the and the student, um, why would students believe that your work is relevant to their lives unless you give them space to make that connection themselves? Right. Okay. Yeah. I, I see what you're mm-hmm. saying. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't have an answer or follow up. Yeah. <laughs> You may thank me. No. <laughs> <laughs> thank no, you. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, no, that's something. And maybe, I don't know. Well, and I, I think going back to the language I was using when I talked about, you know, and, and I've done it too. Like, not to say, like, I was a model student and every class I ever had, every paper was a oh, masterpiece likewise. because I followed my passion mm-hmm. on it because that's totally not true. I did the same thing that, that you know, looking over the list of topics saying, oh, well, uh, I guess I could do something about the race riots in the 60s if I had to write a paper for this history class. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just taking whatever you're comfortable with that you kind of remember that day in class and you're sure you can come up with it. Mm-hmm. Rather than saying, like, I am really super interested in this one. Mm-hmm. You know, you know I, I, I was not the person who always, who always, always, always found the right mm-hmm. topic and really went after the paper as an opportunity. Um, I sometimes played it safe and just did the work in a rote way, too. I think in a lot of cases, though, um, and this is not necessarily the fault of whatever professor is teaching that class. I think it, it, the fault, and there is fault, goes back way further than that. Um, I'll, I'll lean on the Tom Peters-ism again. Um, and I... I Again, so the, the Tom Peters chapter that we've been, we've been referencing, just to be clear, it's in a business book written in 2003 about the new economy and, you know, kind of written in the aftermath of 9-11 and the dot-com mm-hmm. bubble. Uh, and it was about massive changes that were and are coming to the world of, of white-collar work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like a lot of this chapter, it was ranting about how broken education is in America, mm-hmm. in particular, and the world in general, but America in particular. Um, I felt he was generally just saying education in schools. I really felt like it was it was mostly K through twelve that was in the mm-hmm. crosshairs. Well, he mentioned standardization, um, um, mm-hmm. the over testing culture that is right now taking right. over. And and there's I don't know if he says I don't know if he says no child left behind, but he definitely talks about George W. Mm-hmm. Bush. Um, you know, uh, 
it, it really felt like it was about K through 12. And I think a lot of the failure at the college level, which is really where I think this kicks in, like where these opportunities exist mm-hmm. that I'm talking about to make, to make your education, your playground for these little projects, these passion projects, mm. you know, where you're really going to learn something. I think the failure of people to take advantage of that is because that doesn't exist in K through 12. And the interest in doing so has been beaten out of them. And this is why I brought up Tom Peters again. I mean, this is a big thing he talks about in there. A lot of these subjects have been made not fun for students by the time they get mm-hmm. to college. Or worse, so they scary. Are, right, or scary. Yeah, so they are they are in they are in the math class. You probably don't write a lot of papers in math unless you're a math student, I guess. Um, <laughs> the one math class you need to get an English degree, though, you probably didn't write many papers. Um, but like math, math is a great example. You are in the math class because you have to be in the math class. You either hate or fear or are bored by math, but you are there right. because you have right. to be. Um, but same goes for everything. You are in history because you need a history class for your degree program at your institution. Mm-hmm. You are in a, a social sciences class because you have to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, ad, ad, ad infinitum. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. And they don't have to be that way. And I think even for the people who are in them, you know, I won't be prescriptive and say every student could love every class. I think that's not true no, either. And Again, not the goal either. If I... If, if I think I have the answer for every single student, I'd, I'd already be wrong. <laughs> um, but I think, I think a lot of students could like a lot more of those classes and bring a lot more of that initiative, except by the time that they get to the university, they have been taught that these subjects are boring and are necessary only as a subject to be gotten through to get onto the next level. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of the motivation is missing there. And I don't think that's that student's fault. I hear what you're saying because it sounds like you are, you're you're emphasizing that this is a systematic uh, mm-hmm. attitude, right? Right. Yeah, I think it's it's everyone involved. It's everyone and everything. It's all the things. Um, no. <laughs> so what's really funny to me is I think what we're onto now can be summarized by saying verb the class you're in. <laughs> <laughs> that again. It's so helpful. Thank you for listening to Priority. If you enjoyed today's episode, please visit us online at priority.fm to subscribe to the show and follow us on Twitter where we are at PriorityFM. That's at P-R-I-O-R-I-T-Y-F-M. Thanks. You know, I'm not making an apples to apples. Like, I'm not comparing the highest stakes version of what the humanities can and do do for society. You said do do. <laughs>